Welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer, everybody, and I don't know why I say that every week. And every week I make some kind of comment about it, but maybe I should just stop saying I'm Matt Dwyer because it's already been implied. We know this. I've never had anybody else host the show in 170-something episodes. It's always been me, Matt Dwyer. Perhaps maybe I need to do it as a spiritual reminder that I am not a fully realized human being and... I'm just Matt Dwyer, a struggling person, a human being absent of essence. Maybe that's why I do it. Maybe there's an existential crisis or subtext that I'm working through. Either way, if you like my theme music there, that is by Ken Vandermark. The song is called Turn Your Head from his album Utility Hitter, and that is copyrighted, 21st Mobile ASCAP. Ken Vandermark has been on the podcast two times. Today's guest, Danny Bland, this is his third appearance, not necessarily an appearance when it's heard through the ear holes, but it's his third time on the podcast. I believe, and I never checked this, and I meant to check this, Danny is the second, third-time guest, the other being also one of my favorite authors, Jerry Stahl, and Danny Bland is one of my favorite authors. Today, uh, we discuss his book, We Shouldn't Be Doing This which uh, you can buy at stabbycrow.com, uh, also which is associated with revolutionartshop.com, um, done by our mutual friend, Megan Delulo. Delulo? She just told me how to pronounce her name. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm not good with pronouncing things, and I want to get it right, and she also asked me not to do it, pronounce her name or say her name, but I did anyway because uh, I'm a horrible, horrible human being. Anyway, uh, Danny's book, We Shouldn't Be Doing This, is a book of haikus. Uh, the, they're amazing. You, I, you, we discuss what a haiku is, and then we discuss what uh, Danny does with a haiku. Um, and these books aren't just... Uh, he has another book of haikus called I Apologize in Advance for the Awful Things I'm Going to Do. Both books are rich with art and photographs from... Uh, famous artists and musicians like Tony Fitzpatrick, Greg Dooley, Dave Allen, Steve Earle, um, to name a few. And it's really, both of these books of haikus are really, really incredible. Danny also wrote one of my favorite novels and one of the books I, when people say, hey, what should I read? I always say, In Case We Die by Danny Bland. And also the book, um, audio book for that is also chock full of uh uh, each chapter is done by different uh, really cool people, like one of the guys from Pearl Jam, and I believe Wayne Kramer from the MC5, to name two. But Danny is also a tour manager and uh, works with a lot of uh, great dudes like Dave Alvin and Steve Earle. And Danny was also part of the 90s uh, grunge Seattle scene, which every episode he's done, I've wanted to mention it, but then I'm like, this doesn't, he doesn't want to talk about this shit. <laughs> And I'm sure he's tired of talking about it. But anyway, it's a really great episode. Please make sure to go to stabbycrow.com and buy it. Um, they're very popular books, these Danny Bland books. And he's... Um, I w it sounded like I was getting choked up. I was actually suppressing a belch. But <laughs> uh, this is a really great episode. I I'm, uh, I'm, uh, became friends with Danny via Wayne Kramer and Margaret. Saudi Kramer, his Wayne's wife, uh, da Danny would do the sound for the Jail Guitar Doors uh, benefit shows, which I became involved with, ooh, gosh, 10 years ago now. And uh, 
Margaret was like, hey, you should have Danny on your podcast. He has this great novel coming out in case we die. And um, Danny and I became fast friends, and we keep in touch regularly. And I think that comes through through this interview because we have a very casual and splendid talk. Danny, one of the best writers I know that is alive. And please, again, buy his book. We shouldn't be doing this. And the other ones, in case we die, I apologize in advance for the awful things we do. Here is my interview with the great and handsome, and he's got a good voice. He's got one of those voices you want to listen to. Danny Blaine. It's a crazy time we live in, Danny Blaine. <laughs> I can't. We, uh, I've, I was we can we can make a record on our phone, but we can't go outside and uh, hug someone. So yeah, it is. Uh, I guess there's trade-offs for these things. You can go outside and hug people if you believe in freedom, Danny. Well, I don't want to hug those people either. <laughs> I was wa- <laughs> I was watching that before we talked, like people protesting. I was like, the American flag has just become a, a symbol of stupidity. Like, I never see anyone I respect waving around the flag on a street. It's just always these fucking dumbasses. Well, and if you if you'll recall, uh, I believe it's even a legal issue um, that uh, uh, that you know they have these American flags with Trump's face on it and make American great again. It's like I don't think that you're allowed to deface the American flag as as ludicrous of a law as that is. It's probably one that they thought up, you know. It's definitely the one that uh, gets under their skin quite a lot. With uh, yeah, so I'm not allowed to set it on fire or, or put it on my back of my denim jacket upside down. But they're allowed to put Trump's face on it. What? What? Yeah, yeah. it's a real. I really, I really love this time that we live in, and I love the, <laughs> I love the constant anxiety. I, I, it, it, uh-huh. it's, it's great. Are you finding uh, being locked in your home? Are you having more or less anxiety? Well, I'm not an anxious person by nature, um, but and and I'm I'm uh, I'm secretly enjoying my quarantine. Uh, I'm trying not to make a big fuss about it, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, for. Uh, for the last three years, I think I've traveled like 300 days a year. So being stuck inside, being forced to be stuck inside is, is, uh, not so bad. I mean, it could be worse. It could, it could be just me, you know, like I could not have any work, but since my entire industry is paralyzed right now, I I find it, um, I find a certain amount of community in that. Um, you know, we're all in this, we're all in this, stupid boat together <laughs> i was curious about that because you're so i it, because you travel so much i'm like i'm like does that get maddening do you ever like have periods where you're like fuck i just want to be at home because you're from i follow you on social media it's like you really you yeah. haven't been home it seems like in a couple of years and if you are it's like for a few days it's tr- it's true <laughs> um well it in fact it i never realized how how much I'm gone until 
uh, oddly enough, until I do my taxes, because <laughs> I have to, I go to my accountant and she wants to have like, she's like, you know, send me a list of all the shows that you did this year and all the traveling that you did. And then I type that, I type that fucker up and it takes a long time. And then I look at it and go, Holy crap, this is ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, she, she just, uh, it, it's been getting worse and worse. I, I've been with the same accountant for like 25 years. So now she's just like, you, you're just, you know, why do you even have an apartment? And, I said, well, I have a, you know, I have a thousand books that have to be somewhere. So, and I have a bed and some other furniture. So. <laughs> Plus you probably, for Seattle, how long have you, been, you probably have cheap rent for most people compared in Seattle, right? Because you've been in there for a long time. Mm, I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm a, um, I hear, you know, that's another thing about traveling. Like, like you hear everyone bitches like, like, uh, you know, my daughter will talk about how expensive the rent is and, and you hear everybody talking about like, especially in Seattle, but no matter where you go, everybody has that same exact complaint. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, I think it's all relative and, and, um, and I'm, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay with what I pay now. I don't know. You know, I, it's, it's silly because I, I am a 56 year old man who lives like a 16 year old boy. Really. I don't have a lot of, I don't have like a lot of weird bills. I don't have a car payment. I mean, but I never have, you know, I was just like, I just I'll buy this car that I can afford with cash and I'll drive it till it dies and then I'll do it again. Um, but yeah, I don't have a lot of, I don't know, like I said, I don't have a lot of grown up things. So I have, I have, uh, I don't have those bills. So it's, it's, it's odd to me. Like I can, I, I know I, I'm not under the same, uh, financial anxiety as everybody else. I understand it. I, I sympathize and I'm not without, I'm not without concern, especially if this goes on, you know, into next year, like they're talking about. But for now, I can relax and enjoy my quarantine. Do you do you feel that there's a connection between that sort of, uh, I, I want to use the word nomadic, but I don't know if that applies, uh, and creativity? Because uh, you sort of have this... Uh, it, or it's perceived that you would have to me it's like oh man this guy has just nothing but freedom is that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that not remotely true um uh, i have a i have a uh i have a lot of freedom yeah from um, the- in traveling or traveling around it's it's not like i'm uh, you know i'm not i'm not merle haggard uh, you know, hopping on a train and getting to the next town and looking for a handout type of free. I've got responsibilities, <laughs> but, uh, but I am, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I like what I do. So there is freedom in that, right? I don't, I don't, I don't wake up in the morning and go, Oh shit. Gotta go to work. 
yeah. artwork. I mean, from my perspective, it's just like, it's like, oh, and I've done a, a bit of like touring and all that stuff too. It's like, oh man, it's like, you know, you're working with really cool people. You're going town to town. I imagine then like after the show, you go home and you to your hotel and you you write some of your awesome haikus or your novel. <laughs> like, just to me, I'm like, ah, oh, you probably meet like a cool chick here and there, or. It's just it's you know that uh, Grand Funk Railroad song. Uh, uh, we're an American oh, band. Yeah, that's uh, if I didn't know yeah, that, 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 that. That's what it's like every day. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you, you 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 didn't you didn't hear the part where I said I'm a 56 year old man. Um, we, you know, a lot. It, it's great, you know. These days, the shows. You know, with 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 Dave Alvin or Steve Earl or, or whoever, this the show started at eight or nine o'clock. So, really, we can be back in the hotel by midnight. I'm generally exhausted, and you get up and you do it over again. But you know, with with the 56 year old body comes like the kind of problems that require you do yoga in the morning before you drive for six hours. And I don't know. It's a it, it is. A, um, it's still great. It's not a pagan blood orgy every night, <laughs> but it's still great. <laughs> Do you find it helps your writing at all? Because you're, uh, I don't know, I feel like you constantly have some kind of different stimulus. Do you feel like it helps creativity at all or no? Well, yeah, I think you get, to, I mean, you get to hear a lot of, you get to hear a lot of stories. So you get other people's perspective that, that maybe, you would lack if you were just, you know, locked in a basement room. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> so I guess it helps. I, I honestly don't think about it that much. Um, I see. I do because right now I'm in quarantine with a four-year-old, and I, uh, I'm working at the top of my intelligence, getting laughs with fart jokes, and uh, <laughs> so, so I have to. Uh, I'm finding my. I had to really start forcing myself to work my brain out. Otherwise, I was going to turn into a, a four-year-old. Well, in fart, fart jokes come naturally, right? I mean, there, there, there might be the first, there might be the first thing that's ever funny to us uh, as people. They you don't, know, they don't ever stop. Really, it's kind of amazing. It never stops. Well, well, I mean, let, think about think about it. Like it's 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 a funny noise that you make accidentally and it makes you laugh as a child, but it's also, it's forbidden in a way, right? It's, 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 there is, it's something that you're not supposed to do. It's, it, it's unpleasant for the people in a room, in the room around you. And yet it's still hysterical, even to a four year old. And, um, it's the first taboo, you know, laughing at a fart is your first experience with uh, chaos and, and anarchy. It's at its core. It's the Marx Brothers is what, uh, what I heard. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is like, it is a very anti-establishment, especially when you uh, really embrace your, your act of rebellion. Yeah. Um, 
to, to move towards your book, I just uh, I, I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> uh, well, I was like, how do you? Where do you go from? You, I've never. You're nothing if not the king of segways, Matt Fire. <laughs> well, I'm holding it in my hands, and I'm like. Uh, and I was, uh, you know, I was actually quite enjoying the fart conversation because I've never heard anyone articulate the, um, art- articulate it so well of what, why it makes it, f- what's funny about it. But, um, I never thought about it before. As that was just, that's some riffing. I have thought about it. That's the, the crazy thing. Just because I see her laugh at it. I'm like, why is this so funny? And why is this eternally funny? Cause like, if, if it, it if if we took farts seriously and we didn't laugh at them, we a good portion of the laughter in our life would be would be yeah. gone. <laughs> that I've and I think there I think there are people like that. Um, there are miserable folks like that. I mean, do they exist really, or are they just kind of in movies, like you know, like in eighties comedies where the uh, where the rich, um, like uh, stuck up bourgeois parents who live in the Cape in Cape Cod or something like that. They, they would never laugh or acknowledge a fart. Yeah. It's the, it, I mean, immediately thought of uh, Dangerfield and Caddyshack. Right. It's, if you don't laugh, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're just suppressing joy and that's ridiculous. Our society's pretty good at suppressing joy. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've just solved everything. <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for coming to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. See you next week. I've listened to uh, <laughs> a, a number of interviews with you uh, where you talk about, uh, are there questions about the haiku that you're tired of answering? Because it seems like people have like this sort of uh, misunderstanding of the form. Like They're like, ooh, why haikus? And it's like, would anybody ask that question about a son- if you dis- decided to write a book of sonnets? I would. I would imagine the same question would come up. I don't know. I mean, it to be. It's an. It's a natural. It's a natural question. I try to think of uh, an interesting, a more interesting way to answer it every time. But, it, but honestly, I don't really know where it comes from. So. I can. I should just start making shit up. <laughs> uh, I. Uh, I mean, I, I could. I might. Uh, you know, uh, next. Next one I do. Next. Next interview that I do with this with that's with someone who I don't know and don't admire and not friends with. I'll just start. I'll say that. Uh, you know that my that my parents my father was stationed in Japan <laughs> when I was. <laughs> a youngster and how I learned from the masters, but really I don't know how it happened. It's, and, and uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just it, it, uh, in, when I would do improvisation, I say with quite a, a bit of embarrassment, but there was always like, I don't know, haikus, there was always improvised haikus. And then there was always, so it was kind of like this joke form. And I don't, and I, that was like ingrained in my head as a young man. And, you know, I never read haikus until your first book, and you know, it made me realize that there was um, it's a it's a very challenging to to write one is f- fucking hard, and it's it's a very unique uh, form. And I was like, why would people mock this? This is like really really hard. 
And well, it, it yeah, it does seem it 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 is very mockable initially, and and I think that the I mean the f- first things the first haiku that I ever wrote were I, no, I don't remember them exactly because it was a long time ago, but but knowing me, I imagine it was simply that it was just uh, mocking the. F- mocking the template or the or the format or the tradition because it because like everything else uh if we see something we don't understand it then we we hate it and we mock it right away first that's first thing uh and then but what compelled me to keep going i'm not really sure and, and to this day i mean you know both those books have straight up mockery of the of the tradition, you know, uh, the, the fact that both those books even exist mocks the the true traditional, uh, uh, the true tradition of of haiku, right? I mean, uh, the in even some of them direct, some of them directly do so, but you know, I mean, right before right before we were, uh, everybody was quarantined. I had, uh, uh, two book events down in Tucson, Arizona that I, that I, you know, I just, it was one of those things like, I'm going to fly down there and do these, but it's about a 50, 50 chance that they actually happen because things were starting to shut down. But <clears throat> I had other business in Arizona. So like, okay, I'm going to fly down there and, you know, and, Sure shit. As soon as I landed, I got a I got an email saying, uh, you know, the the event that night had been canceled. Um, but uh, uh, so, but I had to drive up to Phoenix and visit my mom and and do a bunch of stuff anyway. And then, but that that event was at a uh, some something called a haiku garden, and it was me. It was it was associated with the Tucson Book Fair, but it was me and an actual Japanese master, older gentleman, who we were doing a book event together. And I don't know, and I was still unsure of the format of this event. Like, are we were we going to debate? Uh, were we? Uh, you know, was he going to straight up assassinate me? I don't know what he was doing there, but he didn't show up and. Uh, so I think that I think that this I think that the you know COVID nineteen sort of may have saved my life in that way because I've been I've been waiting for someone to uh, seek justice upon what I've done to the to the form to that form of poetry. Is there have, have you heard of Are there people who are offended because some of your uh, you know it's sometimes uh, sexual violent and. And here's one I keep my I, every time I open this book I accidentally turn or serendipitously turn to oh fuck a poem I knew there was some bullshit I forgot to do. <laughs> I, probably... I think I, I I think I saved that one for last on purpose. Yeah, uh, uh, is it last? I don't know. Um, it is last. People, yeah. When I first started doing it, people. Um, you know, I mean, people are quick to leap in. People love to correct you on the social media, as you may or you know, if you've ever if you've ever made a typo or 
You've seen my you've seen my feed. Yeah. You know it's all about typos. And your jokes, you know, like you, if you say something off color, people love to be upset all the time. So, uh, um, so yeah. Initially, when I started when I started doing it, or when I started posting them on on social media, at least then someone would have to take me to school and explain to me how how wrong I was about everything. And uh, and that's fine. I'm the first one to admit that it's not it's not traditional. The only thing that's traditional about it is the you know the actual template, the the five seven five format. And other than that, the that was the to me that was other than than that the appeal of the of the tradition is that you then then it's just uh, chaos and anything you want to do in between those those uh syllables um now i've learned since then that you're supposed to talk about nature and you're supposed to mention a, a word that indicates the season in which it takes place and all this other stuff but it's it was already too late by the time i learned <laughs> <laughs> did you have any desire to go back and try that or you're just like fuck it no sometimes i accidentally do it you know uh okay i'm not a I'm not a uh, I'm not a fan of nature. <laughs> I mean, I can see you know sometimes there, you know something will be going on that is sort of undeniably beautiful. But as far as being outdoors during the day, that's just not my thing. So I miss <laughs> a lot of nature. So yeah, I would uh, you know I wouldn't. It just, it just seems, well, and, and that's another thing, like the, what they really most, what they most stress about it. And there's a sort of hypocrisy about haiku is that it's supposed to be the every man's poetry. Like it's the working man, it's the every man's poetry. And then they slap all that nature stuff on you. It's like, well, I happen to know that not every man is fascinated by that subject. In fact, every man or woman man is dealing with uh, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, I, I, you know, I try to appeal to the to the uh, debased um, people in society <laughs> who, who I consider myself among. Um, definitely uh, more my. Uh, also my my thing it seems like after enough enough art forms have been altered that you think people would uh, be like oh yeah he's doing something different like I mean I, I remember hearing Cab Calloway couldn't grasp uh, bebop and called it uh, even this is even kind of racist on his part called it Chinaman music mm. <laughs> Which I love, because it's like, you think of Cab Calloway, you're like, oh, he's probably hip, and then he just couldn't fucking fathom what they were doing. And it's like, at what point do people stop going, oh, they're doing something different. We should, we should, we definitely should resist this instead of embrace it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think people do, you know, like I said, I I have two volumes of this stuff published and, and, uh, um, you know, it was sold like... uh, (laughs) 3,000 copies of the first one and, and what people what you, you may or may not know is that 3,000 copies of a haiku collection is like 
double platinum. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like Kiss Alive. That's yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, so, and you can't even really, I mean, you can't, the first one's out of print. You can't even buy it anymore unless you find it on eBay or someplace. If you, if you find one, buy it. If I, if I ever find one, I buy it. Um, um, so, uh, so yeah, I think people, people, it's the it's the it's it's the people who who are snobbish about it, who uh, who are who give me the most shit, and I think it's funny that that someone can be snobbish about a poetry form that's meant for the everyday man. Um, did you did you? I mean, I'm imagining you write other forms of poetry, or do you sort of just hover in this format these days? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, uh, I <laughs> I don't really write any other kind of poetry. I, I'll, I'll write some. Uh, I'll write a. You know, I'll write a. I'll write some prose. I'll write a, something to, to contribute to a novel, or I'll knock out a haiku. But I don't really mess with. The, I don't mess with the other stuff. Um, and 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 yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't think there's enough time in the day. I uh, yeah. yeah. Limericks. I've, I've fucked with a couple of limericks once, but there's only so much. There's only so many things you can rhyme with Nantucket, really. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, you know, you could break form there too, Danny. Like you didn't put in the seasons. You could put in like you know uh, Tallahassee or uh, Idaho. You know, just really fuck with the form. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, That's true. Speaking of the novel, because this is something, the first time you did the podcast, we talked about In Case We Die, which is, uh, I would say that's probably in my top five repeatedly uh, when people are asked what they should read. I always am like Danny Bland's In Case We Die, just in case you didn't know know that, Dan. Um, but, uh, I appreciate that. There's, uh, you, have you been able to focus on because you were going to do a sequel like is that what you call it in the novel world is that i guess it is i mean i'm just basically the you know the the one the um i'm kind of working on two different two different long form two different novels right now the the one the main one is uh the main one is i guess it's a sequel because it basically takes place in the second after the first one ends so yes it would be a continuation or i don't know what the proper term is (laughs) i don't know (laughs) Uh, i didn't i didn't get a lot of school in matt dwyer i I didn't either i'm uh sometimes did you get out of did you make it out of high school yeah yeah I, i graduated high school with uh with a solid d plus oh yeah that was me too Solid. I, but I also I barely attended. I liked to read, I, but I just high school didn't like. Once I f- I knew what I wanted to do, and once I figured that out, I was just like, I just fucking hated everybody. I was just like, this is a bunch of. <laughs> I would just go to the city and do drugs and uh, hang out with uh, far cooler people. That sounds great. I didn't really have the opportunity to skip school very much because I went to school. I went to high school and. Phoenix, Arizona, and in the sort of northwest section of Phoenix, Arizona, my, 
my mom um, was a homemaker, so she was always home. And so I had the choice of going to school. I didn't have the choice of going home. So that meant I had the choice. If I didn't, if I wasn't at school, that means I just wandered around aimlessly in the desert. So, you know, skipping school meant um, meant the possibility of dying of exposure. <laughs> oh well, I feel lucky. I got to go to Chicago and and uh, yeah. do cocaine. So, uh, man, I, what I wouldn't do to do that. <laughs> Did so. Um, have uh, how how is the sequel for In Case We Die? Because frankly, it's been something I've been and I've wanted to hear, read since day day one of finishing In Case We Die. Or is uh, it, oh, how far is along it? is it? I don't know. You know, uh, I. Um, there, I had a, uh, you know, there was, I had, there was an urgency to write in case we die for me at the time that doesn't exist with the second book right now. It doesn't mean I don't want to do it, but, um, when I, when I wrote in case we die, it was, you know, in, uh, there was a lot of reasons to do it, but one of the, one of them for, for me was to, um, I just, I had to get that story out of me and it was much more urgent feeling than, uh, than what I have right now. Like I said, it doesn't mean I'm not working on the next one. It just means, uh, I don't know. There, there, and there's a certain, you know, you got your sophomore, there's the fear of the sophomore slump. I don't want that either. So, uh, I'm, Right now, I'm kind of. Um, right now, I guess I'm kind of working on. Um, uh, who wrote "To Kill Mockingbird"? Uh, Harper Lee. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the Harper Lee plan as of right now. Like, I'll write one every twenty years. But no, I I, I promise to finish it up as soon as possible, Matt. Uh, I, I'm gonna hold you to that. It's it's. I don't. Know, I f- I found. Uh, I don't know what it is, but like I feel like I had that urgency to finish some things, and now it's like uh, I don't know if it's an age thing because I feel like when I was younger and I would write, there was a cockiness or maybe just an ignorance. <laughs> so, so I felt things just like came out of me easier, and now I can't. I, I don't know if you would call it writer's block or depression, but do you want to like? Do you hit that where you're just like, I got nothing? Like I've got nothing. Um. I, you know, I mean, when I was, when I was writing that book, I would sit, I would just, my plan was just to write something every day. I mean, I was, you know, I was on tour. I was doing all the stuff that I do now, but I made the time or had the discipline to write something every day. No matter what it was, if it was a sentence or if it was 500 words or, you know, if it was a day off and I could write a thousand, then that was great. I just wanted, I was just always progressing or it, I was just always working on it. And, uh, what I need to do is take this force time off and start doing that again. And, uh, I don't know where the, I don't know where the time goes 
during this quarantine because I still get up at seven o'clock in the morning every day. And then I'll pop my head up and all of a sudden it'll be 9 PM and I do not know where the fucking day went. So, um, um, uh, what I just, I just need discipline. I need discipline. Yeah. We're all in a, <laughs> we're all in some weird twilight zone episode. Cause I feel the same way. Like I look at the clock and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like, and it's, yeah. I have, my house is still a disaster and I'm still wearing a shirt with stains on it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I want to take this moment right now to thank you for listening to the podcast. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, you can become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash Matt Dwyer. You'll find bonus episodes, commentary on every episode, blogs, videos, pictures. Just become a subscriber. It's a great way to help me keep the show going. If you can't be a subscriber to Patreon and you want to help the show, do me a favor and tell some friends about the show. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to support the show. Or you can go to iTunes rate the show, give it five stars, write a review, and I'll read it on the uh, podcast, and subscribe. That helps me with the old uh, podcasty numbers. And if you like my podcast, listen to Hunk with Mike Bridenstine or Kilgallen's Pub with Joe Kilgallen. Also, don't forget to go to themattdwyer.com. That's a jumping off point for all things conversations with Matt Dwyer. You can find merch on there, links you to my Patreon and social media. Why don't you buy a t-shirt? What the heck? Why not? Now, back to the interview. Because I, I know In Case We Die is very autobiographical, and there's, like, mm-hmm. elements that are... Um, is that easy? Because I've interviewed a lot of uh, memoirists, and I always... And, like, even the one I've been working on that I just can't seem to get right. But, like, there's moments when you're reliving those... Uh, when you're writing and you're reliving moments, like, I would be literally sobbing. Is that do you did you have that sort of same emotional connection or is there a slight disconnect because even though it's uh, not your life but it is that, that didn't come out <laughs> I lost no it. I mean I I definitely I, I would definitely uh, and I would do uh, you would you access that you access those feelings in order to transfer them to paper right so I'm I'm not a f- uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I, I enjoyed that part of it because, uh, um, because you, I mean, you you went through your, your you went through your trials and tribulations, um, and so you might as well get something out of them. And if you access them again, and you have those feelings, and and, and you can, it, it's what makes it's what makes your writing authentic. Because if you access those good enough, then you can come up with the gory details that are in the room or that are on your skin or that are in your hair that makes that makes them authentic when they get when they hit the page and people read them and they say and they know, even though it says it's a work of fiction, they can tell that it's something <laughs> that you've experienced before. <laughs> yeah, I just I talked to Jerry Stahl about that because I was like, why did you stop writing? Because you know, uh, after Permanent Midnight, he's it's pretty much all fiction. He's like, oh, it's all memoiristic. It's just I didn't want my daughter to see I was such a fucking. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but she still's got to know, right? I mean, she read the first book. She could do basic math on that one. Yeah, and I mean, a perv is 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 a memoir, right? Isn't it? 
Is it? I yeah. I think that one I missed. I, I, have, oh, I think I, that's like his that's like his childhood memoir, which uh, uh, which I love. I think it's a great book, and I love the. Um, what is the 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 noir type novel? Oh, Plain Clothes Naked, it's called. Uh, I love that one because he's not because he, he makes an appearance in the book, but he 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 gives himself like the worst character to be. It's, it's incredible. It's really good. It's very talented man. The two. Who are some of your favorite writers? Because I always it's, like I asked him because when I before I interviewed him, I read a couple of his books obviously and i was just like i, I was like i can't write i read him and i'm like I, I, i'm a fucking fraud and then i asked him if i was like who do you and he said shelby is like the guy he reads and is like oh i'm a fucking fraud see i i don't really look at it like that because i i love i love both those guys and 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 to read some hubert shelby is like to me it's more it's more affirming especially him because he has in is especially in last exit to Brooklyn. He has such disregard for grammar, uh, and it works and it's beautiful. So, so it sort of to to me it makes it it's that's freedom, right? Like if you don't have to, if you don't have to even deal with the rules of grammar to still make to still write beautifully. Uh, then that means there's no there's no limitations on what you can do. So, to read a great book um, really doesn't like I just finished the Gospel Singer by Harry Cruz, and uh, uh, and it's gorgeous. I mean, it's like it's an epic book that I don't feel like I can write epic things on that scale, but um, I always find it more inspiring than than intimidating. I guess. That's see. This is what f- fucks me up. Is um, because, get your brain on straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are dudes. There's like Harry Cruz, and then like uh, Shelby and uh, Nelson Algren does it as well. Where the the uh, the grammar's fucked up, and the words are, you know, it's a, a lot of uh, slang. And I, yeah. and, and it's like how? What is? <clears throat> I can't understand what that line is because I've had people sometimes you get criticized and you're like well you're not doing this or that and i'm like well how how do you not how do you delineate what somebody's voice is opposed to <laughs> them just being have bad gra- like I, I can't imagine somebody first read shelby like a publisher and wasn't like what the fuck is this I, I don't- oh yeah it took, it took them a long time to get the to, to get that book published but um it, i mean it really just uh, Again, I'm I'm no expert. Like there, there are some books that I look at and that that leave me like I can't do this or this, like the House of Leaves by uh, Mark. What is his name? Danieliski or something like that. That book is insane, and it's just too, it's just too smart for me. And and in 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 a lot of ways, I don't even want to write like that because it's it's too smart and it's almost not even entertaining. Um. It's it's almost like work to read. So so instead, maybe you turn to uh, uh, "Seize the Time" by Bobby Seale, which is written in a lot of uh, a lot of slang of the time of the you know mid to late sixties. But it it tells a story, and it's and it's poetic, and and it's dangerous in its own way, right? So I guess it just depends on how you look at your words. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know that book you, that you're referencing where you said it's too much work, but there is. Oh, House of Leaves. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know much about him. I mean, he's written other things. It's. Uh, I was just looking at my bookshelf and I saw that one, and I was like, "Yeah, that's a book that." It doesn't intimidate me. Just it just. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't inspire me either. Well, there's that. Although, although I recognize that it's great. I right. recognize its beauty, its beauty, and it's still here on my shelf. So, is it like you know. I acknowledge that Steely Dan are great musicians, but I can't fucking stand their music? <laughs> you can, yeah. Are you a Steely and, Dan fan? No, <laughs> not at all. And you know, there there are things like I, I wonder about. I wonder about the youth sometimes, <laughs> and. Uh, and their affinity they they love they love some Fleetwood Mac and they love some Steely Dan and they love some Hall and Oates and uh, n- not for me n- none of that's for me. I was working in a bar a couple years ago and or it was a year ago and all the twenty somethings played all those bands and Jimmy Buffett and I was like, what happened to fucking? Re- this is how you're rebelling. This is I was like, what happened to like oh. somebody taking a shit on stage? <laughs> I think you nailed it right on. The, I think you just nailed it right there. That is how they're rebelling. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Um, like Jimmy I'm, Buffett. I'm, I haven't heard that one before. Oh God, it drove me fucking crazy. And. And I'm just, I don't get how that's rebellion, though. It's like you're just playing your dad's music. It's like, I, I just. Well, I mean, think back. Like, so, like, I have a lot of. I was trying to think of like old songs that, that, that I, that I would embraced from my father's time period, too. And, and there's a ton of them. Like, I love old music. But. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, I guess there's a comfort in there's a comfort in that. Yeah, yeah, but it's like they didn't play, and it wasn't like they played that, and then they played like Ty Seagal. It was like all they put, or they would play shitty contemporary country, and they weren't country kids; they were like hipsters. And I was just like, I don't get it. Huh. I, I think it's there's it's ironic, but I don't understand. Like listening to, it's like I wouldn't read a shitty novel and go. I was ironically reading that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it takes more time. That's the thing. When you're listening to a, listening to a song, ironically, that's three minutes out of your life. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, I'm not, um, I don't listen to a lot of new music, but then I, but I also know that it's not made for me. So if I don't, that, that it's fine. Like it's fine. There's 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 decades and decades of recorded music I can go back to. I don't I don't need to. Do you tr- do you tr- I don't need to love and understand things. Because I try to <laughs> I try to be like all right I'll give it a, I'll give something new a chance because I don't want to be I don't want to be that stagnant old guy. But I'm also like I'll just hear something I'll be like ah, you you're just you're just doing. Uh, so, you know, you're doing the Velvet Underground. <laughs> it's like, yeah. or you're doing. It's like that's all. Like now, I'm at a point where I rarely hear something that I'm like, okay, that's different. Or if it is, I'm like, well, but it's also still terrible and soulless. <laughs> yeah. um, I try to. Uh, I try to. Um, like I will. I have not. What are, I see. I see things. I learn about the uh, uh, newer music on like TV. So, you know, uh, 
like watching Saturday Night Live on on Hulu is awesome because you can skip right through once it starts to suck. Or I pay attention a little bit with you know when Lizzo was on there. Like, oh, okay, I I I could I see I understand the appeal here. But uh, you know that's that's the only that's the only place I learn I hear any new music. Yeah, I tried to go back and listen to stuff I didn't like and did like as a youngster, like in my 20s, to figure out what I... And there's certain stuff, like, I was like, I loved this and I can't stand it. But then I would go, I think we talked about this, because I went back and I tried to see if I would like Patti Smith, and I still don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I tried, but I do like her books, so that's... Her books are fucking incredible. I'm still a fan, I just don't listen to her sing, that's all. Um, do you do you pay attention to like? Is it the same with the books you're reading? Do you try to pay attention to new books, what's coming out, or do you just read sort of like wow, stick oh. stick in your lane, so to speak? Um, I am trying to uh, expand on my lane a little bit because I noticed um, not that long ago when I was looking at my books that they're all written by guys. Uh, or a huge, huge majority of them are. And so I'm trying to, um, I'm try- whenever I'm looking in a new, whenever I'm in a bookstore and again, like with bookstores, I like, I like to go into used bookstores and I like to go straight, uh, like I'm a stuck up book collector. So I go into a used bookstore and I, and I just say, just show me the ones that are behind the glass. Show me the books that you have locked up. That's all I really want to see. And, uh, um, but if I'm looking at new ones, like I need, I need to expand, I need to read some books by some women. So that's what I try to do. Uh, it's odd. Cause most of, I do the same thing I, and I've been trying to do exactly the same thing where it's like, I'm going to read, I'm going to read less like, uh, male guys who were, had drug or alcohol dependencies. <laughs> right. But y- yet you're yet you're still waiting for my next book. Huh. <laughs> uh, but uh, for years one of my all-time favorite books has been Geek Love by Catherine Dunn and I just I'm like why did that not snap me into a different dir- did have you ever read Geek Love? No, and the reason why although I should, I know I should is because um at the time when that book was out, I had so many people say, you need to do this. You need to read this, that I (laughs) rebelled against it. And I know that's dumb, but it's something that I did and something that I'll make up for. And I'll read it one of these days. Uh, I do the same thing. And, uh, I have friends who have yet to watch the wire for that same exact reason. I'm like, yeah, but it's the wire. Uh, like right, right, right now, I'm reading that uh, Io uh, Tillett Wright book called Darling Days, um, and she's the one who did it. She did a podcast, the uh, that the Ballad of Billy Balls podcast. I don't know that. You need to you, okay. Hang up right now <laughs> and go <laughs> and go listen to. There's a podcast series called The Ballad of Billy Balls, and it is it is. Uh, I almost want you. I almost don't want you to listen to it because it it is it is podcast as as pure art. I mean, it really took. It, I mean, it's it's Apple. It's different than what you're that what you're doing, but it, as a storytelling format, she really 
nailed the episodical podcast. It's incredible. Is it sort I'm of? Gonna, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you a link to it as soon as as soon as we're done with this because it's it's amazing and it'll you'll be obsessed with it for well as long as I've been. So I think I need something because I feel like I've just been stagnant. I was stagnant before this whole quarantine thing, and I just was. That's uh, oddly, I returned to reading poetry because I was like. I'm losing my fucking mind, and I felt my I felt my vocabulary getting worse. <laughs> and it's already it's already pretty bad. <laughs> um, well, Mr. Danny Bland, where can uh, I uh, thank you very much for taking out the time to do this? Hey, man, I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I actually yesterday. If you want to stay on the phone for another couple hours, I I will clear my schedule. I uh, uh yeah. no. <laughs> I I've actually was yeah I was yesterday I was it was hard for me to I just wasn't uh, right to do it yesterday. I've been like going between de- like having fits of depression with this whole thing. But like not that un it, 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 sort of intangible depression where you can't you're just like something's not right and then you're like oh I'm depressed. But you oh. just like stare out a window for a long period of time. Uh, yeah. I get like like I said I, I am not naturally prone to uh to uh, uh being anxious or being depressed and, and maybe that's like maybe I'm just really good at covering up but I'm so good at covering up that I don't even realize that it's happening um it's, it, it just may not be true I don't know Oh I usually like before I had a kid I would just be like all right I'm going to spend a day in bed and then I'll snap <laughs> out of it but now I I have to pretend like the world is okay. <laughs> it is, it's okay. It is. It is okay, Matt. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's just too young to, for my daughter to tell my daughter how. I wish I. I wish I could live an anxiety-free life. But anyway, where can uh, people find all things Danny Bland and 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 this book? Which, by the way, I've wanted to. Also, I forgot. Uh, you collaborated in a way with a lot of people, which is something I forgot to bring up. There's like a long list. Of what is it like twenty people in the back that you who part uh, pictures? Well, but yeah, if you're doing if you're in my mind, if you're making a haiku book, you got to provide some some photos because uh, just to just to spice up the pages. And uh, um, so I basically just called in a lot of all my pals and said, "Give me some, give me some photos." So there there are. There's some photos by some musicians that you would know of, you know, like uh, Dave Alvin and Steve Earle and uh, Ian Moore. And I'm going to grab the book so I don't forget anybody. And then there are different photographers that I like a bunch of. And um, Steve Earle, who uh, I read, uh, won't let you forget that you admitted you're a Kiss fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he. He has a he has quite a memory on him. I think one you know I think I mentioned liking Kiss when I was fifteen years old, like twenty something years ago, and he will never let me forget it. I don't know why. <laughs> Do you still like it's Kiss? Not, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, at the time it was just like that was again we're talking about music either being made for you or not. Like that whole package, the whole. Kiss package was made for me when I was 15 years old, and uh, and I bought it hook, line, and sinker because it was brilliant marketing. And uh, you know, but at 
This age, it does not appeal to me, no. Uh, no, not at all. I, I mean, I loved it, too, and now I'm just like, I, when I see people still holding on to it, I'm like, really? You didn't, like, they became everything we were, it, or my generation no. was against. Our generation, I would say that would be our generation. Gen X, by the way, right? We're Gen X? Yeah. I think so. That's what I hear. I, I will. Not. I mean, think think about think about Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons is not not that far removed from Donald Trump, really. I think if we if he was president, we would we would be in this exact same situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so let's uh, let's hustle this book some because if I do a whole podcast and don't mention the title of the book and where they can get it, I'm going to be in a lot of fucking trouble yeah. so i was definitely gonna do it in the intro so and uh, oh okay <laughs> i i do an intro so but yes but please repeat it and uh, repeat it and tell everyone where they can get it and i'll also put the links in uh the show notes so people could just click so it is yeah the book's called we shouldn't be doing this and you can get it at the uh, revolution revolution art book wait a minute i better get <laughs> revolutionartshop.com and uh, a percentage of the profits from this will go to Smash, which is an organization in Seattle that helps get uh, healthcare for uninsured musician types. And uh, um, and uh, I appreciate you picking up a copy. As as they should. Thank you very much, Mr. Dan Glenn. <laughs> Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate and review it on iTunes and subscribe to the show. Also, go to themattdwyer.com and check out all things Matt Dwyer. My Patreon, merchandise, you name it, it's there. And thank you for supporting podcasting. I hope you come back and listen again. Thank you very much. Wow. You know, I mean, I, I will confess right now, I did actually take a piss while we were doing this interview, but... Uh... You know, you didn't know. You didn't notice. <laughs>